Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Welcome into episode 66 of the Leaning into Leadership podcast. Folks, it is final four weekend for the NCAA basketball tournaments, both men and women. Eight incredible teams, an exciting tournament, and what a perfect time for us to sit down and talk with my buddy, Andrew Murata. Let me tell you a little bit about Andrew. First and foremost, connecting it to Final Four weekend, Andrew was a Division I college basketball referee for a number of years, but he's so much more. He's also the energetic and enthusiastic leader of Port Jervis Middle School. He was previously the principal at Port Jervis High School, which is where he really started to make his impact and ultimately wrote his first book, The School Leader, Surviving and Thriving. Andrew has gone on to write three more books, including his book, Tales from the Hardwood, which is an incredible book about lessons learned while being a college basketball referee. Andrew and I sat down and we talked about leadership. We talked about basketball. We talked about early career leaders and some tips that we could provide for them. And we talked about our roles as fathers while at the same time being in some type of a leadership role. It's an awesome episode. I can't wait for you to listen to it, and you're going to get it right on the other side of these messages. Hey, have you checked out the new book from Road Awesome Publishing? It's called When Calling Parents Isn't Your Calling, A Teacher's Guide to Communicating with Parents. Hey, let's be honest. If you ask an educator, what's your favorite part of the job? It's highly unlikely they will say communicating with parents. Educators know that building partnerships with parents is essential for student success, but it is certainly not easy. When Calling Parents Isn't Your Calling is a how-to for effective and efficient parent communication through a variety of methods, phone calls, emails, newsletter, meet the teacher night, conferences, and more. This book serves as a helpful resource for educators who may struggle to communicate with parents and provides practical advice for improving parent-teacher relationships. Check this book out. It's available now at roadtoawesome.net and on amazon.com. You'll find the link in the show notes. Have you ever found yourself in professional development thinking, how is this supposed to help me be a better leader? Folks, PD for Leaders needs to focus on leadership. Introducing high-performance leadership teams, a two-day workshop from Road to Awesome. In this two-day workshop, we focus on getting the team very clear on their shared values, direction, and mission. Getting to know the house and understanding the strengths that each of us bring to the table and how we best leverage those. We focus on how we go about getting the work done. We focus on team dynamics. We focus on how it is that we continue to evolve together as a team. Hey, right now, it's a tough time to be a leader, and it's really difficult to grow together as a leadership team unless you're intentional. High-performance leadership teams is exactly that, an opportunity to be very intentional about your team. Hey, leaders, I want to work with your team. I want to help set you up for success. Send me an email at darrenmpeppard at roadtoawesome.net or shoot me a direct message on social media. Let's get your leadership team on the road to awesome with high-performance leadership teams.
This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. What is going to happen when two high school principals get in the same conversation with absolutely no expectations, no rules, no guidelines, and for that matter, no notes? That's what's happening right now. Andrew Murata and me right here on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Andrew, welcome into the show, man. Darren, thanks so much. There's definitely an expectation here. It's got to be awesome if we're on the road to awesome. (laughs) That's absolutely true, man. And we are going to not only survive, we are going to thrive, my friend. That's that is what we're going to be doing. Hey, so before we just start cutting it up, let's just really quick uh, tell my listeners who you are, just a little bit about you, and let's just hit the ground running, man. Yeah, Darren, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm a fan of your work. Uh, certainly the work you're doing. I can't wait for the new edition of uh, Road to Awesome to come out. You're coming to New York here to lead the superintendent's conference, So, uh, but a big fan of your work. I'm Andrew Murata. I'm a principal here in New York, Orange County, Port Jervis. Uh, go Port. And um, I've been a principal here almost 20 years. And back in 16, I wrote uh, The Principal, Surviving and Thriving. And uh, it really just changed my life, Darren. Since then, uh, writing, presenting, working with principals. Uh, kind of before I wrote that book, you looked at a principal, you thought they had it all together, they knew all the answers. And uh, now working with principals all these years, we need yeah. help, we need support. And, uh, you know, uh, the ones that that know a couple of things, it's nice that they share them. So a uh, little bit about me. Yeah, no, I love that so much. And, you know, you're absolutely spot on. Um, you know, I think about that first year for me as a principal. And I, actually, I don't think anybody would tell you they thought I had it all together. But holy cow, man, that that first year was a mess. Um, and, you know, certainly, you know, you and I do a lot of the same work in that regard now, you know, with coaching, you know, those emerging leaders and really kind of helping them through just you know, just finding their footing and moving from being a firefighter to actually being a leader in their school. So um, I appreciate the work you're doing. I I love everything that you're doing. I know you guys, uh, you just worked uh, collaboratively with some other really amazing guys uh, on, on another new book. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, let's, let's go right at it. Okay. So I'm going to tell you this, and then I just want to hear your reaction. So I have said it I can't even tell you how many times I've said it and for how many years I've said it, but my belief, and I think this is because I was a high school principal, but remember, I was also a superintendent. The high school principal job is the hardest job in the district, but it's the best job in the district. Agree, disagree, push back on me. What do you got? You know, I I, I loved it. Um, I was there, how long? 16 years. Nine is principal, seven is AP. I've actually stepped away now, and I'm the middle school Mm -hmm. principal. Uh, But it's kind of like you're the CEO. You know, you're leading the K-12 journey. Uh, There's a lot happening there. I looked at it more than just the principal. Uh, I'm the principal in this wonderful community. Uh, I'm the bridge, helping these kids get on to college, helping them get job placements, uh, right? That relationship didn't end when I shook their hand in June. Uh, it continued, getting letters of, uh, you know, recommendation onto their colleges, things like that. So it encompassed a lot of things. Um, 
you know, being, you know, I was at Eagle Scout ceremonies, uh, uh, yeah. marriages of kids, you know, uh, being involved in the community. Uh, but there, there was a lot, you know, varsity sports issues, driving issues, um, certainly kids getting older, drugs, alcohol, you know, I called them little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. So, right. uh, teen pregnancy, a lot of those things. And, uh, that, that certainly goes beyond the, the math, science, social studies and English, you know, but I loved it. And yeah. uh, I agree. It is the most challenging job and rewarding in the district. Yeah. So you just hit on something that, uh, I haven't thought about it in a while, but I'm glad you did. You know, there's so much of what we do. And, and where, where I was a, a principal in, in Rock Springs, Wyoming, uh, 15 miles away, the big rival, Green River, uh, Green River High. Uh, during my time, a couple of different principals in that position that, you know, I forged really great relationships with both of them. But one in particular, a guy named Darren Howard, not just brilliant because of his first name, but also just a brilliant leader. He referred to what, what you just talked about as kind of that hidden curriculum. You know, the, the things that we do working with our students. So this is true at the middle school level, too. And, and honestly, it's true at the elementary level. But the hidden curriculum is different at, at each level, right? You know, things that you just that you just talked about kind of like there were these just images that flashed through my head from my principalship. You know, things like being in the parking lot. You know, after school, I was out in the parking lot constantly after school, you know, and it was, you know, saying goodbye to kids, but also, you know, just making sure they were doing the right things, you know, reminding them to put on their seat belts. And occasionally, you know, you'd have some, you know, some goofball who thought, you know, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to car surf. And unfortunately, as, as a classroom teacher, I lost a student to an accident car surfing in the parking lot. And, you know, so, you know, I'd have those conversations with kids and, I, I think there's so many things. I feel like I'm rambling right now, but that hidden curriculum that we have, that that we as the leaders of our school are teaching our kids, that a lot of people don't think about, and a lot of people don't remember that that's a lot of what principals do. It's it's not yeah. just about evaluating teachers, right? And and you can't say, well, well, that's not in my job description, or or I I don't handle that, right? I, you know, my my job ends at the end of the property line of the high school. No, it it doesn't. You know, you you're the principal of this community. These kids, you're in their homes, you're in their lives, and uh, you know there was a lot there was a lot there for it, but it does take a lot out of you uh, at times for sure. Yeah, I, and that's that's part of why I refer to myself as a recovering high school principal because it does, it takes a lot out of you. Love the job though, man. I did. I really did. So let's, let's talk a little bit now about, about the work you do at the middle school level. And, you know, maybe, I don't know, let's talk about maybe some of the challenges that you have and and some of the things that you're like feeling really good about with what you're doing in your school. Yeah. And even leading up to that, Darren, and just, uh, you know, I made a choice that was offered, right. Hey, Andrew, uh, you know, is this something that you would like to look at? I was there 16 years, you know, uh, I think you're doing something that long, right? I'm going to talk about, you know, keeping your, your sharpening your saw, you know, maybe, maybe I do, uh, lost a little of my, my, my edge there, I lost a little, um, but I wanted to change. I wanted to stay in Port Jervis. Uh, I didn't want to just go somewhere else. Uh, so I had an opportunity to stay. And so I took it, uh, very different, um, and, you know, there's a lot to do here. You could see the things at the high school, right, where the gaps were. Well, now you could see them even earlier. And yeah. we're trying to make those interventions. We're trying to intervene earlier. Um, 
you know, kids failing classes in their first quarter of middle school, you know that that is a red flag to some precursor to some future problems. Um, but really just trying to trying to build the culture here, uh, build trust, uh, develop those relationships. And, and I love the energy of the kids. Uh, I got my sneakers on here. I'm, I'm out and about. I'm on the move. Uh, I have a I have a, a rotating table or a table on wheels. I'm in the hall constantly. Nice. Um, you know, as high school principal, you could pop in the cafeteria. As middle school principal, you better be in the cafeteria. You know, yeah. it was, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, but I love yeah. the change. I love the challenge, and uh, really just making uh, school a place where kids really want to be. I still feel like you could that spark is still here. That excitement for school and uh, where it's a little cha- more challenging at the high school level. Yeah, I like that you said that. Um, you know, one of the things that I noticed about, you know, I taught five years of middle school and then I taught six years of high school. So, you know, I've done them both. And I really felt like, you know, at, at the high school, kids are going to be motivated for a variety of reasons. And not always is it, I'm going to do this work just because I like my teacher. At the middle school level, that's that's a, actually a little bit more true. I mean, the middle school kids still, for the most part, want to work to please their teacher, where at the high school level, that just doesn't seem to be there. I never had the chance to be a middle school principal. So I'm curious, do you see that same thing as the principal? Uh, Yes and no. You know, there's still kids that say, you know, get out of my way, bro. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But for the most part, and and again, the benefit of staying in this community, I I, I am now starting, I had their parents, right? I, I was there, I was their high school uh, assistant principal and principal, uh, uh, some of the parents here. Uh, I've had their older siblings, uh, so I'm able to have those connections. But for the most part, right, we talk about Port Pride here in Port Jervis. They want that Port Pride. They, they, you know, they do do that. So, yeah, I do enjoy that of the kids. Ah, that's awesome. That is, that is awesome. So, okay, so so let's dig in a little bit more. Uh, you, you opened up a little bit by talking about, you know, writing your book in 2016 and, you know, the work that you kind of do on the side and just for anybody who's willing to, to simply ask the question, you know, hey, I need a little bit of help here. I think, and tell me what you're seeing in, in your area, but as, as I work across the country, I see a lot of new leaders into their roles, whether it's, you know, a principal role, assistant principal role, even superintendent roles that are not as prepared as perhaps you were when you came into your role, when I was, when I came into my role, even though I struggled, I was an assistant principal for five years before I became a principal. Mm -hmm. So many people right now, and I think this is just that, that vacuum at the end of, you know, people leaving, you know, leaving the leadership spaces. So many people are coming in not quite as prepared. What what are a couple of things, one, that you're seeing, and two, that you are saying to these, you know, early career emerging leaders to help them get their feet under them and actually be successful? Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, dealing with criticism uh, is something, right? Um, I don't know. You, you have to make decisions. You have to move forward. Not everyone's going to like them. Sometimes people just don't like them just because you're the boss, you know? Uh, they, they don't like them. Uh, so dealing with criticism uh, when you're in that spotlight, uh, you and I talked off air, you know, I refereed college basketball for 20 years. Um, and when you blow the whistle and, you, you know, you're right, 50% of the people are still going to be mad with your decision. <laughs> yeah. but you got to you got to move forward. You got to you got to go on. You have to have 
a strong resilience to say, hey, I, I know I'm doing the right thing here and, and move forward. So um, I think people dealing with criticism, um, just the flow of the schedule, right? My, my mindset, you know, my, my motto here is surviving and thriving. You're, you've got all this stuff coming at you at once. Uh, you have to learn how to say, no, that's got to wait. No, you were already told that answer. You need to wait over here. And I'm taking this here, you know, mastering your time um, and owning your time and have people to help you protect your time uh, is, is so important that, you know, people, oh, I'm going to have an open door policy. Oh, yeah. Good luck with that, because you, you just <laughs> yeah, can't no kidding. take all the traffic coming in. I say you're not. This ain't an emergency room. You know, you're not the people have to make appointments. They have to wait their turn. Uh, they just can't barge into the principal's office and deal, you know, with it. Um, and then the last thing, Darren, like we all want to be successful. Right. But I challenge new leaders to be significant in the lives of the people they serve. Right. You, oh, you got good test scores. Oh, your school is blue ribbon. Oh, you, you know, versus. You know, you're the person that believed in somebody. You're the person who helped that teacher that maybe was down on their luck. Um, you know, I believe in the power of a single uh, experience, right? One single thing I can do when I step out of this office, a high five, a note to a teacher. We just had two teachers create a care closet here. They got deodorant. They got soaps. They got shoes. They got clothes. They got, uh, you know, hair ties. Um, they did that. They got a grant. They set it up. They did it. You know, I wanted to make sure they were acknowledged for that and celebrated for that. Um, and I believe that we can do that as school leaders. I love that. I, I want to come back to the care closet because I believe that was in your newsletter today when uh, when it showed up in my inbox. There was a little little talk in there about shoes. Uh, but but I want to come back to what you just talked about with with being significant as opposed to just being successful. I think a lot of times our early career leaders get caught up in, you know, what do, what do our metrics say? You know, what do our yeah. test scores look like? And, you know, what do our you know discipline rates look like and our attendance rates look like? And those things are important by all means. Those things are important. But if you were starting out again, like for the first time, knowing what you know, what might be one or two things you would look at? I mean, you've already kind of said, you know, hey, the impact you maybe had on a, on a teacher or on a kid or a conversation. What might be one or two things that you would say, okay, this is how I'm going to gauge my success in my first year, as opposed to maybe how you did it when you first got started? Yeah, I mean, there were so many things back when I got here in 05, you know, I, I, I really couldn't dive into the academics. Uh, you know, we were working on cleaning up the place, the graffiti, uh, the vandalism, uh, the smoking. You know, my first couple of years as an AP, I was in the bathrooms more than I was in classrooms. Uh, <laughs> learning how to yeah. become more of an academic leader, learning how to enrich the academic programs. Uh, I was busting my butt here for a long time. Uh, you know, as I say, fighting the small crimes, uh, vandalism, uh, you know, having kids pick up after themselves, having kids. Uh, one time I got on a loudspeaker, right? And you never like to yell at everybody. But there was a bunch of garbage out front before the kids came. So the kids just came in the building. We said the pledge. I said, listen, I'm going outside to clean up all the trash there. I care about the school. I know you do, too. We can't have that happen anymore. I'm going to clean up the trash. I said this on a loudspeaker. And sure enough, 
you know, 30 seconds later, one kid, two kids, three kids, probably 50 kids came out and helped clean up the trash uh, that, you know, that was out there. And that, to me, that was a kind of sign of, you know, you're doing okay, Andrew. You know, there's kids, yeah. there's kids that are listening. There are people that do care. Um, but to go back to your question, diving more into the academics uh, versus just all of the kind of social issues that were happening. But I felt such a strong need to clean those up. You know, we rid smoking uh, this place. This is an old railroad town. Uh, generations of parents have smoked in the bathroom. And people said, you're just not going to stop it, Andrew. Uh, that's just the way it is here. That was unacceptable to me. So I was relentless in my passion to clean up uh, those small crimes. And now I'm able to be in the classrooms more and focus on those academic things where I really wasn't doing that too much early on. So let me tell you what I heard you say. Um, a, a lot of really, really great stuff. But if I'm a new leader, here's what I heard you say. Find that thing that you can do that's going to make a difference. And, yeah. and it doesn't have to be changing your math curriculum. I mean, if that's the if that's your glaring weakness, then make that what you do. But, you know, to to inherit a piece of culture where, oh, everybody smokes in the bathroom here. That's just how it always has been. Yeah, that that can't continue. And I mean, that's obviously that's a big challenge to take on. But, you know. There's there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, sometimes sometimes you have to be willing to to take on that that big challenge. You know, for me, it was it was taking on, you know, this this attendance issue of, you know, we were running about 84 percent average daily attendance. I mean, that's bad. I mean, that's really bad. You got to try hard to be that bad at attendance. But, you know, it was, you know, that's just how it's always been here, you know. Um, nobody no values education, you know, yeah. well, you know what, we're going to fix that, you know, we're going to fix that. And, you know, for me, it was, you know, I can't change everybody else. How about I change the way I lead the school and my issue and your issue, while we could point to specific words, smoking, attendance, what it really is all about. And I would say this number one for any new leader, find that thing that impacts the culture of your school that's driven because of the culture of your school. Hey, everybody smokes in the bathroom here. That's just how it is. That's part of the culture of your school. <laughs> if it's not acceptable, you got to go after that thing and you got to make sure you fix it. So uh, to me, you know, what I heard you say was you got to focus on something that impacts the culture of your school. Fair statement. Yeah. And, I didn't, and I didn't even know it at the time there. I just didn't know. I just yeah. knew it was wrong. Uh, but yeah. what a big impact it did have, uh, which led to a lot of positivity. You know, it was a Rubik's Cube. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that makes it just makes such a significant difference when 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 leaders decide this is something that's going to be important to me. You know, yeah. this is yeah, there's all this stuff on my job description, but this is the thing that's important to me. And I'm going to I'm going to pour my effort into this. And more importantly, what, what I also heard you say was clearly you made it made it known to everyone. I'm going to fix this. So <laughs> it wasn't just, you know, hey, I'm just going to hold this close inside. You know, I think that's a mistake sometimes early career leaders make, too, is, hey, I know this is important to me, but then they don't do anything to allow others to know. And when other people know what your priorities are, all of a sudden they start to follow you, right? You know, they're like, oh, hey, 
he's going out to pick up trash. I'm going to go with him. I'm going to go do and, it. No, you got to make it visible. Yeah. We had so many signs around here, right? I was hanging signs everywhere, proud to be smoke-free. And people laughed at that, right? You know, instead of saying there's no smoking, right? We made them positive signs. I'm proud to be smoke-free. Uh, you know, and it was it was on the scoreboard in the gym. You know, people looking at the score of the game, it was there. Uh, we had logos on the basketball court of, of the no smoking sign, uh, things like that. We got, we got a lot of grants, you know, going into uh, stores. You know, Port Jervis schools are proud to be smoke free. Do not sell to, to you know, young people. Uh, a ton of that stuff. And now we're fighting it all over again with vapes, you know. Uh, oh, uh, the vapes. You know, oh. The vapes and, the, you know, the detectors. And, uh, yeah, we're fighting oh. that all over the place, too. But it was a good yeah. – it was certainly a good run and, and one of the best things uh, that we yeah. did here. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Now, I want to loop back to something else you said in there. Actually, there's a couple of things I, I, I want to hit. One of those, um, again, I think is something that so many – of those emerging leaders really struggle with. And, and that's management of time. You hit management of time, but I want to go a little bit deeper. Um, you know, you, you talked about being able to say, hey, this has to wait. You know, this is where I'm at. I've already answered that question. But you also alluded to, you know, those, those systems around your time and other people connected to helping you with your time. I want yeah. you to go a little deeper there because I know that's something that so many leaders struggle with is how they manage their time. Yeah. Well, they let the, you know, sometimes they let the day take them versus they take the day. Um, your, your secretary has to be extremely involved in making appointments. Uh, you're scheduling appointments. You're following of your appointments. Um, I, I read a book uh, recently called Clockwork uh, by Michael Snell of Pennsylvania. Highly recommended about really just talked about uh, you know, being intentional and, 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 and leading with your schedule. Uh, you know, people stop you in the hallway. Hey, Mr. Darren. Hey, can I da 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 da? And now your day, you're getting pulled over here. You're getting pulled over there. Uh, you know, I have a scheduled observation, and the teacher is waiting for me to come. Like, unless it is a dire emergency where I got blood, I got you know a teacher passing out something. Like, I'm going to that. The kid that got thrown out of class that's waiting. Um, some people are pleasers, and they they want to please everybody. A parent calls, they want to take that call right away. Well, maybe that's not the best thing to do at that moment because you need to be in a classroom. You need to be in the cafeteria. Um, you give that parent time to wait and you're calling them back three, four in the afternoon. Maybe you're calling from your cell phone on the way to your kid's game because you need to be there for your children also. Um, owning your time and making sure you're doing the right work are both uh, very important. And you need your assistant to help guide and protect that time. Yeah, I'm glad you say that. That was one of the most like eye-opening things for me. That that whole first year when I couldn't get my head above water, that was my biggest struggle was time management. And two, I was doing nothing to allow anybody else around me to like do anything. And my secretary was the most important person. Uh, mm-hmm. Was able to work mm-hmm. with a coach. I've told the story many times here on the podcast, so I won't repeat it. But one of the things that that he did was sit myself and Marilyn down and really work through a system to a point where where Andrew she had like complete control of my email, complete control of my calendar, um, and we had a system. You know, you mentioned you're walking down a hall. Hey, you know, you know, Darren, I need to talk to you. Shoot Marilyn an email; she'll get you on my calendar. And people knew that was the system, and it worked beautifully. Yeah. 
it worked yep. beautifully because it mm-hmm. used to be, yeah, I couldn't get 20 feet down the hallway. You know, if I was out there during a passing period, man, it just was not going to happen. And I, I didn't want to let that get away when you mentioned time management because I know that is such a big struggle for so many, so many leaders, not even just early career leaders. I mean, I'm coaching some folks now that are still, you know, many years into it and they're like, I just can't figure out how to how to take control of my time. You know, I feel like I don't run the building. The building runs me. So I just wanted to make sure that we captured that because that's such a critical yeah. piece. It is. It's definitely a skill and it's definitely something that you can work on. Uh, and the distractions, the world we live in with distractions, right? You just, a phone just went off, but your cell phone is buzzing. Your walkie talkie is going. Your, your desk phone is ringing. Your notifications on your computer, you know, I got ADD. It's a superpower, not a disability, but that can pull you away from what you're doing very quickly. Absolutely. You know, that, yeah, we could, we could absolutely chase the, the cell phone piece for hours uh, in terms of, you know, put it away, you know, set time aside for your email. I mean, all of those types of things. That's, that's, that's super, super important stuff. I want to, I want to jump to the experiences that you had as a collegiate referee. Uh, my, my understanding, if, if make sure I have this correct, you were a referee at the division one level, uh, men's, women's, both college basketball. Yeah. Yeah, men, men's basketball, men's college basketball. Uh, almost 20 years, I, you know, I did it. Um, it was a great run. I, I absolutely loved it. It was, uh, you know, each job made, made me better, right? Uh, refereeing made me a better principal, and being a principal made me a better referee. Uh, dealing with angry people, enforcing the rules as they're written, learning how to work in highly contested, highly pressurized, highly visible situations, learning how to look the part. You have to perform under pressure and look the part. There were so many comparisons, uh, but that time on the court was invigorating and, uh, you know, had an opportunity even at the highest level in the ACC for six years. Um, but in, you know, in the Colonial, the Atlantic 10, a lot of the leagues here on the East Coast, it was, it was awesome. I loved it. You know, it's, it's really cool as a podcaster to not even have to ask a question that you want to ask. You just have the guest just take it and run. Um, I was actually going to ask, you know, hey, what are some of the parallels? And, and you've already hit that for me. So instead, you know what, I'm just I'm going to go basketball nerd because I was a basketball coach, basketball player um, during that experience, if, if you can What's like one of your favorite memories or favorite experiences or uh, or even maybe like the most challenging situation that you dealt with as a referee on the court? Yeah, uh, so many, you know, so many. They're all learning experiences. Uh, there was so many firsts, right? My first Division One game. It happened to be on the same night that my wife told me she was pregnant on the way down to the game. My first Division wow. One game. Uh, you know, getting into the ACC and, and refereeing at places like Duke and North Carolina, uh, you know, those were, you know, you looked around saying, I'm doing pretty good. Um, when the Ivy Leagues first got their playoffs, they never had playoffs all these years in the Ivy Leagues. I was fortunate enough to do one of the first playoff games in the Ivy Leagues. Um, but, you know, I worked there and people ask that question a lot. What was your fa- favorite game, your best game? Your, you know, it was the game that night. Right. It was the game that night. And I I worked hard to be present uh, in those moments. Um, 
the palestra in Philadelphia. The Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. I'm a, I'm a Giants fan. Uh, working in Philadelphia was always challenging. And uh, uh, the palestra in Philadelphia was probably one of the most exciting. Uh, you know, those pen games in the palestra, they play those big five games in Philadelphia. Uh, really cool thing. Syracuse, uh, the, the Dome, 30,000 people. Very cool experience as well. Uh, I wrote a book called Tales from the Hardwood. And I share those leadership lessons from my time on the court uh, in that book. And, and uh, there's a lot of crossover in what we're doing there. So that, that was a, a, a nice thing to be able to put at the tail end of my career. I'm glad that you mentioned that book. Um, that's one. Um, so your first book is one that, that I've already checked out. It's a phenomenal book, folks. I'll link it in the show notes for you. Um, but but the Tales from the Hardwood, I have not had a chance to check out. That's definitely one uh, one that I want to get into, as well as the newest collaboration, the book that uh, that you did um, with uh, with Jeff and with Larry. Uh, dads, leaders, and father figures creating influence and legacy for a lifetime. Tell me, tell me the driver behind this book, or, or how did like this become an idea for this group of amazing leaders? Yeah, you know, we talked earlier about the power of a single experience. Uh, I had a chance to spend some time with Rachel George uh, out in Oregon, and she wrote "She Leads" uh, with Miley's Tojin. And uh, uh, she wrote She Leads. And it was a great book about women in leadership. And I was like, God, this is incredible. I had a chance to have her on my podcast. She was incredible. The book was incredible. And just, you know, in those quiet moments uh, where you could be alone, walking, thinking. I do a lot of walking and thinking. I said, well, I was you know, invigorated by this book for women. Like, what's out there for men? Uh, male leaders, we're principals, we're fathers, we're getting pulled in a million directions. You have a rough day at work, you got to go to the game, and then you got to go be with your kids and your family. And, and if you go home and you're, you know, um, so I, I kind of said, like, well, what can we do for male leaders, not just educators? Um, and how could it reach a lot of wide reaching people? I didn't want it to just be my voice. So not only is it myself, Dr. Larry Dake from Binghamton, uh, Jeff Evner from the Finger Lakes area, uh, upstate New York. Uh, Kevin Spanauer from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. We each invited two or three fathers to share a story, share an excerpt, share a, a strategy they use uh, in their leadership as dads, leaders, and or father figures. Um, and it's great. It came out uh, in December 2022, and uh, it's hot. People are talking about it. And, uh, you know, it's just so nice to be able to reach that audience, uh, because again, people are to feel challenges, people, you know, looking for help, looking for support. And you read that and you say, Oh, I'm not the only one that fights with my kid about their bedtime. I'm not the only one uh, who almost ran out of gas with his family in the car, you know, things like that. So, um, but it all went back to Rachel George and she leads. Yeah. That was the inspiration. That's outstanding. I did not know that particular part of the, the backstory. I, I did have, uh, you know, Dr. Larry Dake was on the podcast here oh, a while back. And uh, it'll just, I think just before the book came out and we were able to have a conversation about, about kind of his perspectives with it, but, but he certainly didn't, uh, didn't share the, the part with, with Rachel George. And um, I'll be honest with you, she leads also, I, I, I can see it right over there on that bookcase from here. Phenomenal book. I'm so glad that you mentioned that one. Folks, so many, so many great uh, pieces in here. I'll make sure I, I link everything in the show notes for you. So if you want to check any of those things out, uh, you're able to get to those things without, 
without any type of an issue. Um, let's let's do this, uh, Andrew. Let's go ahead and make our way to uh, to the final question of the podcast. Uh, th- honestly, we could go on for probably hours here, but um, I'm sure our folks have now pulled into a parking lot or you know they're getting off the treadmill or whatever. You know, we're kind of at about that commute slash you know, time running on the treadmill. So um, let's let's take it to that final question. And on every episode of the Leading Into Leadership podcast, I ask every guest the same question, and it's this one right here. Andrew, how are you leaning into leadership right now? Yeah, I love that concept. I love the, the visualization of that. Uh, and I, I, I thought about that question for a little bit. You know, you can't lead from an empty cup. You can't lead and be your best self as a father, as a leader, uh, as a principal, uh, as, a, as a motivational speaker, if you're not taking care of yourself. I'm 47, Darren. Um, you know, I'm trying to get younger, not older, but I'm leaning into my wellness. Um, I, you know, I read the 5 a.m. Club and um, the Miracle Morning. I read both of those books last summer. They had a deep impact on my mornings. Uh, for, for, for years, right? You hit the snooze, ah, you know, and it's right there. You know, I moved my alarm clock. I would, that was the secret I needed to, to get up. I get up at 4.50 every day, and that gives me an hour and 10, an hour and 20 minutes every morning uh, for myself. Uh, I, I'm leading into sharpening my saw. Um, I'm leading into reading. You mentioned about listening to books uh, on the podcast. I'm listening right now to Obstacles is the Way. And it's about exactly that, the obstacles that we face in our lives. And it's a choice on how we deal with them. Um, But really leaning into my wellness uh, and taking care of myself so I can serve others. Uh, My kids are 16, 14, and 12. I want to be there for them. I want to be active with them. Uh, And I can't do that unless I'm taking care of myself first. So I'm doing those things, reading, sharpening the saw, and uh, taking care of myself. That's outstanding. And, uh, you know, I appreciate that you went to went to that particular place, because I think that's something that maybe over the last two, three, maybe five years, leaders have started to do a much better job. And and I think some of it is, you know, there's you know some different like social media movements, you know, um, you know, with with fit leaders and uh, you know, shout out to uh, to Ryan Jackson. Uh, but also, I think we're just much more aware of the importance of taking care of ourselves. You know, you mentioned it when we were when we were talking about being high school principals and how you can be dragged in a thousand directions and if you don't set that time aside for yourself, man, before you know it, that's that's when you start to hit burnout, you know, not taking care of yourself, you know, weight gain, all that other all that other stuff, your mental health starts to struggle. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, one final thing. So listeners are definitely going to want to know more, to hear more, to read more from Andrew Marotta. So how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, thanks, Darren. And again, it was an honor to be on with you, uh, the work you're doing, and uh, you make it look easy, but I know it's not. So uh, kudos to you and uh, Road to Awesome. And um, you know, But uh, I got my website, andrewmarotta.com. Uh, I'm active on Twitter. Uh, I know you and I have been on a lot of chats together, at andrewmarotta21. Uh, there, uh, and then my email and all that stuff is on, on a website. Um, but I would say those two, those two avenues. Excellent. 
Right on. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for being here on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Man, I love this conversation. Enjoy spending some time with you. Take care of yourself. Keep rolling, Darren. Once again, thank you to Andrew Murata for that awesome conversation here on Leaning Into Leadership. All the books that he referenced, folks, I dropped links in the show notes for those if you'd like to check those out, along with all of Andrew's contact information and his social media links. So make sure you get in touch with my guy, Andrew Murata. And now it's time for a pep talk. This one's going to be short and sweet, but I want to challenge you. I want you to just think a little bit about being curious about being a learner, about continuing to challenge yourself and to stretch your mind and your brain. Many of us can be closed-minded or maybe think we know everything, but in reality, the truly great leaders are the ones who are always learning, always listening, and they're always curious. So this week, be curious. Have an incredible week. Thank you for joining me here on the Leading Into Leadership podcast. Be well, my friends. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast, brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.